Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are just five days away from the holidays, middle of the week here in a late December, cool, cold, snowy Cleveland, Ohio for your boy. Not sure what the weather's like for my man Brian down there in Carolina, but it's the holidays, which means that the gifts that keep on giving around the NBA that we still don't know who the hell the best team in the league is. The standings are still bunched up. Nothing's changed. Nobody's been traded. Something happened, though, today on a Wednesday. It's not Wednesday. It's Tuesday. <laughs> Messed that up already. But the Phoenix Suns end up getting sold, or is finalizing a deal to get sold to Matt Ishbia. Hopefully I said that correct but a former Michigan State Spartan player, but he's now a billionaire mortgage lender, taking the team away from Robert Sarver, including, as well, the Phoenix Mercury and all of those assets under the Suns umbrella. So that's interesting. We're also kind of getting into uh, rumor season, in a way. Uh, article dropped that not too much noise right now. Not a lot of teams wanting to trade away talent because, again, everything's bunched up. But one in particular kind of stands out since the team is kind of going the opposite of direction that they want to go. So there's that. There's some games that happened on Monday evening and all that good stuff here on a holiday edition, a Christmas edition of Keeping It 94 before we get into the wonderful holiday weekend full of your favorite basketball players. Hopefully they're not hurt or uh, on load management. But what's up, guys? Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz. Another episode of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. What's happening, Brian? How you doing? Well, I guess we're just trying to stay in that holiday spirit as we get ready for uh, for the holiday, like you said, right around the corner. Um, it will be another day of uh, my wife wondering why we are not watching uh, classic movies and instead are watching um, basketball, like back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back basketball. Five-game slate, baby. Tradition. Been tradition. Exactly. That's what I tell her. I'm like, you talk about, you know, Christmas uh, traditions and whatnot with movies. I'm like, that's not for that day. Like, uh, what come 1230 Eastern. Like, before then in the morning? Yeah, of course. You know, while you're... Uh, while you're, um, you know, having breakfast or you're, you're getting ready to uh, open up the gifts, you pop on Elf. 
I have no problem with that. I love Elf. It's one of my favorite movies. But, you know, once 1230 starts, that ball gets thrown up in the air and it's basketball time. It's basketball time. Here, let me ask you this. This isn't even on our sheet, but what's the game that makes you think of NBA on Christmas? Like just any memory you have. I'm sure there's like a Knicks Bulls game from like the 90s. Okay. <laughs> Probably. I, I, I'm trying to remember one in particular. While you're while you're thinking, do you want me to give me mine? Please. Honestly, it's the one that I remember most just because like it's the first one that I truly remember watching. And that was Tracy McGrady versus LeBron James, Magic and Cavs, 2003. It was a rookie year. It's a really fun game. And I just for some reason I just remember seeing Al Michaels and Hubie Brown. It was a commercial that they were marketing the game for so like that just kind of stays in my brain I don't know why but I mean T-Mac had already been my favorite player in the NBA at that point so it was awesome that he was taking on you know this young stud that just came to Cleveland um by the way you know Paul Silas was coaching that team RIP of course um but it just kind of sticks in my mind but the Cavs lost in overtime that game but it was it was just something that that just like stuck in my mind uh, because, you know, it was two of my favorites obviously going head to head. And, you know, McGrady goes out there and drops 40 <laughs> like and and Bron, you know, did his damnedest to to have a great game. Another underrated looking at the box score there. Carlos Boozer had 18 and 19. What a uh, piece of malpractice that was, by the way, uh, to not keep those two together. I really think Carlos Boozer's career. He already had a good career, but I think that. Next to LeBron, had he been on those teams uh, in the mid-2000s, I think Cavs would have been pretty damn difficult to deal with. But uh, that's beside the point. More about, again, T-Mac versus LeBron on Christmas. That's just what I remember the most. So the game that I was talking about, I looked it up. 1994 Bulls-Knicks. Scotty was two. Yeah, <laughs> I was not to, uh, but that was a game where Scottie Pippen went off. I remember he had 36 and 15, but it's also the game that Hubert Davis hit a three to force overtime. And then it went back and forth and uh, Pippen ended up getting a block to um, seal the win nice. for the Bulls. But um, that was a very heated, heated rivalry between those two teams at that time, you know, in the uh, early to mid nineties. So for some reason, that's just kind of a, a lasting memory of Christmas day games for me. I gotcha. I gotcha. So let's uh, survey the room here. Uh, what we want to talk about first. Want to talk about the sale? Yeah, let's talk about the sale. All right, go ahead. You're the one that, that posted the news line on the, the website and did some research on uh, this, this Matt Ishbia. Uh, what what we know about him? So Matt Ishbia, he's the chairman and CEO of uh, a mortgage lender company, uh, United Wholesale Mortgage. Um, it's been around since 1986. He has an estimated net worth of 5.1 billion dollars. Um, he is based in the Detroit area and a big sports fan. He played with Michigan State um, with their basketball team um, back in the day. And um, he's just a huge sports fan. Um, he has been interested in buying or being part of an ownership group 
Horror Sports franchise. He was among the finalists to buy the uh, Denver Broncos before they got sold. Um, and by the way, he's not only buying the Phoenix Suns, he is getting the Phoenix Mercury as well in this deal. Um, it is believed that the sale price is around $4 billion. Just a small bit of chunk money. of change. Let's put it this way. Robert Sarver <laughs> bought the Phoenix Suns in 2004. He bought them for $400 million. He's now selling them for $4 billion. So there's that. Yeah, Ishmael was um, on Michigan State's national championship team in 2000. But he's done very well for himself since then. And um, it sounds like his brother, according to Shams, his brother Justin is also going to be um, an investor and an alternate governor of the franchise. So the deal's not done yet, but it's close to being uh, finalized. And um, this had kind of been quiet, I guess, as of late. We were kind of wondering when Sarver was going to sell. We we knew that he was in the process of trying to find somebody. Even at the time, Ishbia's name was one of those kind of under the radar. Maybe a lot of people don't know who he is, but don't be surprised if his name comes out in this. Um, and now the deal looks like it's going to be going through. And um, say what you will about Robert Sarver and his personality and everything he did with the Phoenix Suns, which people did not like. But um, it's all said and done. Yes, he's no longer going to be an owner, but he's going to be a very, very, very wealthy man. Yep. And, it, you know, it sucks that somehow, you, you know, you come out on top in that situation monetarily after all of that bad stuff came out. Um, but the bright side again, there is that, you know, sons can move forward with some new management and hopefully some new workplace practices and overall, you know, as well, um, you know, hopefully he can establish a good relationship with James Jones and, um, being someone that's been in the basketball world before, maybe not in this capacity, that'll be good for them. And I think, uh, some players will probably respect them a little bit more because of that. I think I already saw a tweet of Draymond Green congratulating him, and you don't see many, you know, NBA players coming out and congratulating owner purchases. So well, remember, Draymond also went to Michigan State too. Correct. So that's a, that's yeah, a no, boy. I, I, you yeah. know, there's obviously the Sparty love on that one, right? But I mean, the thing is too, when it comes to, I mean, not only is this good for moving on from Robert Sarver for the league and for the franchise in particular. But this is a guy who's been vetted for ownership groups before. It sounds like it's going to be a good move. And we all know that when a new owner comes in, and especially one with deep pockets like he has, you know what they want to do? They want to do something um, exciting. They they really want to invest and they want to do something showy because they've got this brand new toy to play with. And... Um, and for the Phoenix Suns in particular, people have been talking about forever, for you know, 10, 15, 20 years, the sleeping giant of the NBA because so many players enjoy playing in Phoenix because it's so close to the West Coast, so close to that market. You've got good weather. Um, they, they like the area. It's You can get to the Midwest very quickly as well. And, um, and if you get the right ownership group in there, it's going to be a very attractive place for players to want to go play. And it seems like that's finally happening. For sure. And, you know, doesn't hurt either that they have a, a, a solid core there um, as a team as, as far as the, the on-core product goes. And, you know, they're still right there in the thick of it in the West, and I think that's a good, you know, transition point here. Well, that, I'll tell you, uh, you know, who might be one of the happiest people that this is happening? 
Who's that? That would be Cam Johnson, who's up for an extension. And with ah. Robert Sarver, he might not have gotten that because we all know about Sarver sometimes didn't always want to spend a lot of money. And then people were wondering what was going to happen now with the with the franchise in flux. And they haven't done anything big since Sarver said he was going to sell the team. Well, guess what? You've got a brand new owner coming in with deep pockets. And, it, you know, what's crazy about this, too, is like DeAndre Ayton, I know he gets paid and he gets, you know, what he rightfully deserved, but he's probably sitting there going, what the hell? I had to deal with all this car garbage and, and now, you know, this guy's out of town, but he's probably happy as hell for Cam that he won't have to deal with any of those semantics and, and, uh, quote unquote, penny pinching. If you want to go that, that direction, but right. Yeah. No, I mean, good for the Suns, good for the NBA, get it out of, get that crap out of here. That's a good, you know, you have to, Take a stand against that kind of stuff. Sure. So, uh, but yeah, like I said, a good transition into, you know, the on-court product. Uh, still don't see any separation in the West. <laughs> None whatsoever. You seem so uh, flummoxed by it, but I think it's a good thing. I'm not the- flummoxed by it. What The funny thing is you, you can go back to our preseason slash training camp episodes, and I'm like, you're going to see a lot of teams that are hovering around 500. And lo and behold, this is what we're seeing, man. It's it's pretty nuts. And, you know, you, you don't have to talk about the same teams after week after week after week. Like, there's something new every week that happens and someone gets hot or somebody, you know, puts on a, a terrific performance. Like, for example, you know, one, the, the number one seed, Grizzlies, and I think... The bottom here, let's see. Yeah, the 11th seeded Golden State Warriors are separated by five games. So 1 to 11 separated by five games. That's pretty nuts. But, uh, you know, for, like I said, one example, I think, uh, of a team that's, you know, randomly been going up and down is the Wolves. Uh, I mentioned to you before we started recording that. They're letting Anthony Edwards run the point a little bit, have the ball in his hands, uh, and. He's done really well the last three games. He's playing with a lot of freedom and having fun doing it. And uh, I think the elephant in the room, we all know, is who's been out for these three games. Um, and, and no, we're not talking about Carl Anthony Towns. We are talking about Rudy Gobert. And, you know, not clogging the paint. He's able to kind of facilitate, drive and kick, uh, find his teammates, um, you know, you mentioned to me that the schedule hasn't been the greatest the last, you know, week or so for them, but we do have to remember, you know, Oklahoma city is always a tough customer. If they make their shots, you're in a world of hurt. And uh, I think you saw that against the blazers on Monday night, Shea Gilgis Alexander with a, a game winner against them. And the blazers have been playing good ball Chicago. Yeah, we can throw that out and I'm sure we're going to get to that. But um, wait a second, that game, did you see any of that game? Did you see the numbers coming out of that game? Which game? Of the Bulls-Timberwolves game. Oh, uh, this this past oh, weekend? It was, so the Bulls, who have been it on the It was 150 slide, points, correct? Yeah, they gave up 150 points. The Bulls are like, all right, we're going to face the Timberwolves team that's been struggling. Maybe we can finally get off the schneid here and get a win. The Bulls shot 52% for the game. They shot over 42% from three-point range. They scored 126. They gave up 150 points. 150, dude, I dude. believe I read, was the Minnesota record for their yes. franchise. And yeah. 
Get this. Did you know that in this game, the Timberwolves for the game shot over 65% and over 53% from three-point range through three quarters, they were shooting 70% from the field. That's that's ridiculous. And, but that, also, yeah, you look at the other side and, uh, you know, that's we're when not Dragic talking came about out. the yet, but yeah. when we get there, I mean, Goran Dragic had plenty to say about it. So yeah. there, you know, obviously, you know, issues in Chicago, but on the flip side for Minnesota, you're looking at how much more um, energetic they've looked, um, especially on the offensive end. Um, D'Angelo Russell and, had a good game. Yeah, no, it, and but they're they're sharing it, and I think you know a ton of credit's got to go out to Nas Reed too, who's been playing in place of of you know Carl Anthony Towns and was out of the rotation before you know he started to get all these minutes because Cat's been down. And he's had a hell of a month. And Did I you think see? Um, people got to give him some credit, man. He's averaging damn near fifteen and eight a game, making forty four percent of his his threes. Um, you know, he's not your typical you know seven foot guy that goes in there and bangs in the paint necessarily, but um, he's somebody that could stretch the floor, could score the basketball, and uh, you know deserves a lot of credit for for how he's filled in there for Cat. Bobby Marks put out a tweet talking about the last three games for Nas Reed: twenty one point seven points. 8.3 rebounds. He's hit 26 of 41 shots, 7 to 13 from three-point range. Um, he only played 10 minutes in the Bulls' win because he sprained his ankle early on that game. He is extension eligible for four years and $58 million until June 30th and then becomes an unrestricted free agent come July 1st. But they've backed themselves in the corner with doing this Gobert deal because there's only so minutes to go, so many minutes to go around with him, Cat, and Nas, you still sign him though because he's an asset, and then if you move him, of you course, move him. yeah. Right. But but I'm just thinking from a playing time perspective, and he's better off. Nas should be else. Nas should be getting more than 15 minutes a game. He should oh. he should be at least a 20 minute a night player. Like there's and he's still so young, so young. There's 10 teams you could easily say, yeah, he's a fit there. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and, and again, I would not consider him a, a big. So I wouldn't like backup big needy teams. I wouldn't go for Nas Reed. If you need a floor stretcher and you need somebody that can, you know, occasionally give you some some size. He's a I mean, four or five. I mean, he can, yeah, he can probably guard some centers, but yeah. But he he's not that type. Like he is more of a forward than a big, in my opinion, when I watch him play. Yeah. What is but he, he's a damn good talent, though. Like, oh yeah, you could. I mean, you. If you want to experiment, I mean, it probably would be tough to keep up with some of the more of the threes, but if you want to experiment, play him at the three, shoot. <laughs> Try it, or, or he could be your center, you know, when you go small ball. I yeah. mean, there's a lot no, of different things you could do for with sure. Nas. For sure. And uh, that's no slight, by the way, to to Jade McDaniels, who's put in some really good minutes um, for, for the Wolves as well. But very perplexing team, and I think I mentioned that last week. <laughs> um, don't really know what they are, but, you know, ever since Ant's been taking over point guard roles, um, that's been, you know, good for them. But, you know, that was, you know, one of the teams in the West. And again, we could talk about so many of them because a lot of them are successful. A lot of them might not have success at the same time because they're playing each other. But it's hard to put a finger on who's really good, who's really bad. You know, like, it's it's tough. 
It's well, the really Timberwolves, tough. Well, I mean, remember, they were two games below 500. Mm-hmm. Just kind of middling around. I still don't think but they have But this has been any- the, the trend, though. Like, it's it's yeah. been you're below 500, then you're above 500 by a game or two. Right. And then you go back down to 500. And then, like, you know, like, there is no, like, escapability. Um, I mean, the closest you see is at, is at the, the top four seeds. That's the closest you see to, to teams trying to get away from that that line, that 500 line. Yeah, I think the Clippers, they're going to probably stay over 500 now. They've gotten healthier. You know, they're four games over 500. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we're getting dangerously close to saying the Kings, I feel pretty good about them staying above 500. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not there yet. They're three games over 500. But they I'm did feeling, just lose to the Hornets on I, yeah, I, I wasn't I, too thrilled about that. Mm-hmm. But, but LaMelo Ball's back and Gordon Hayward's healthy. So that was a healthy healthy uh Charlotte Hornets team not exactly thrilled seeing uh my Kings go down to that type of squad but you know yeah, but uh, I mean, the, and the Hornets were missing Terry Rozier too so that's not great but. right but I mean when it comes to the Timberwolves even when they're healthy we don't know what their identity is because yeah you know they're still working out this go bear cat you know Anthony sure. Edwards thing that you know so far really has not worked it has yeah. not worked anything like they what they thought, and uh, and now they've got to do with injuries because, like you said, you know, Cat's still out. He's been out for an extended period of time. You know, Rudy's been out as of late. They just got D'Angelo Russell back. You know, so I mean, there's there's plenty of things there. But I mean, they were they were two games below 500. Now they're a game over 500. They're the eight seed. But I mean, look at that whole mess that's right around them. I mean, the Blazers are only a game ahead of them. The Jazz are right there with them. The Mavericks are only a game back. The Warriors yep. are only a game back. You know, the Lakers are just uh, two and a half games back. I mean, that's, I mean, I mean, I'm sure we can get the Lakers, you know, as we always do. But I mean, there's we'll get there. plenty, plenty of questions <laughs> going around there. I mean, you want to talk about teams with question marks to me. The Lakers obviously have big ones. I think the Mavericks have big question marks. What they're gonna do? We could well. stick on on Dallas if you want. I just saw them yeah. in Cleveland. I because just saw them in Cleveland, and I mean, well, you, one they had like seven guys on their injury report. <laughs> the one time they visit Cleveland, um, Luca at least traveled with the team, so Luca was there uh, because Cleveland has a very very high Slovenian population. Didn't know if you knew that, uh, so they always show out for when Luca comes to town. Um, unfortunately, Luca did not play, so in his place, Kemba Walker decided to go off for 34. And uh, it was really cool to see Kemba Walker have a a uh, throwback performance. I don't know how many more of those I'm going to see, but um, you know, it was not the Cavs' best night. They shot 19% from three that night. <laughs> um, but again, this is why transitive property doesn't work. You look at the schedule, you look at threes and fours, you know, fours and sixes and whatever you want to say. I'm talking about how many games and how many nights, if you don't understand what I'm saying, but like that stuff matters. And, you know, JB even said that that probably caught up to him because they did just play a Pacers team. That's extremely fast the night before that. But, um, you know, Dallas, they just put Christian Wood in the starting lineup. Don't know if you saw that. So they finally caved. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, results didn't seem to be that promising on the defensive end. But, you don't say with Christian Wood in the starting lineup. But uh, I think, you know, offensively it, it could work. It, you know, Kemba ended up getting a lot of minutes too. Again, um, they just got to make, they've got to make their open shots. And they did against uh, Minnesota. They hit damn near 42% of them actually from three. Um, but they're just so. 
they're such a deliberate team. They're such a slow-paced team, half-court team. Obviously, when Luka Doncic is your guy doing that. But they just... Uh, they, they they are uh, missing uh, something, and I think that something is Jalen Brunson. They, they're missing another ball handler that can create his own shot and set other people up consistently. Yeah. Now, it's nothing against Spencer Dinwiddie, but they just need something better than, than what I'm they have. I'm surprised that, that Dinwiddie hasn't been that guy because he was – we talked about it all last year on the pod, man. We said that he is the insurance policy for if Brunson goes another, another direction and, you know – He's not having a bad year by any means, but he just doesn't bring that same kind of oomph that they need on a consistent basis. It's Man, really that, it's really odd because statistically he's having his best career season. <laughs> like, right, but that's why they went out and they took a flyer on Kemba because they so desperately needed that. And, I mean, the other problem, them is too, it's just now, you know, Maxi Cleaver is going to be down for an extended period of time. Yeah, He's very, arguably, very bad loss for them because he's one of their best uh, vertical um, defenders um, and in space and, and especially in transition as well. Well, here's the thing with the Mavericks too. And it, I mean, I'm, this is not an original argument. I've heard this elsewhere. But let me ask this question to you though. We all know that Luke is their best player. Who's their second best player? You could argue it probably every night. You would probably say Christian Wood. You would probably say Christian Wood. I would, with my you know, keen eye, I would probably say it's Dorian Finney-Smith, but a lot of people wouldn't agree with me just because they're going to look at the box scores. They're not going to watch the games. I think but, some people would make the argument it's Tim Hardaway. Yeah, no, you and you could. You really could. But, um, you know, it depends on what you're important, uh, what you consider important, you know? Right. So, I mean, anytime that you've got Luca, you're. I don't think they're going to throw in the towel but I do wonder if it's not coming now before the trade deadline, which I kind of doubt. Maybe they make some moves around the edges. But I think there's going to be a pretty big shakeup coming to Dallas if things do not correct themselves. Because not only are they kind of middling around this season and can't figure it out, but they're overusing Luka to an extreme degree. And we saw this begin the season. We're like, how long is it? How much is this sustainable? It's just not. And it it's not. not only not sustainable for the player, but it's not conducive to winning basketball. I hate comps, but and, and I don't think this is necessarily the same amount of, of talent around him. But so many people around here in Cleveland have seen on, on Twitter compare Luca to be on the 07 LeBron team. You know? Like is that necessarily correct i don't know but as terms of usage goes you kind of have that argument right <laughs> you kind of have that argument i don't know i don't know you you don't you don't want to I, I do want to talk about before we you know venture over to to the east that we don't really mention too much is is denver they are odd i, I don't know I also don't know what to think about Denver because I, I had them as one of the top. I think I had them in my top two, top three this year. It, to me, they do the thing where they play to the level of the competition, and that's never a good thing. Well, they definitely um, did this past weekend. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
All right, just because they lost to your Lakers doesn't mean that they're in, in the dumps, okay? But- no, no, no. But that, no, that's what I'm saying, though. I agree with you. Yeah. They play to the level of their competition. And you yeah. sit there and you go, you've got the two-time reigning MVP in, in Jokic. You sit there, you've got Jamal Murray back, who still kind of finding his group. They don't have Michael yeah. Porter Jr. back. And, I mean, he's about right. to come back. But at the same time, you're sitting there going, this is a really good team. And you're just, we're waiting for them to, like, explode. Like, boom. You know, like, cause they just kind of been, like, we see the improvement. We see them playing well, and then they take a step back, and it's like a couple of games. And they're like, okay, then they ramp up. Here they go. Nope, 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 nope. Not there. For yet. me, it's not even the offensive end. It's definitely the defense. Like I don't. We were talking about it all summer long. How? Oh my gosh! We brought in Bruce Brown. What a great perimeter defender. You brought in KCP. What a great perimeter defender. Even Aaron Gordon has good defensive moments. They have the personnel. Schematically, it's just not working because Jokic is having a little bit more trouble, I guess. Um, But it's just odd to me because you're like, oh, they got to go and make a move for somebody that can play defense. That was our takeaway last year. They do, and still it's not great. And I'm kind of like, why? Why are they not great? They got the guys. So, you know, what's the what's the deal here? I, I I'm not too sure. I mean, Nikias dove in on it um I think a few weeks ago on, on basketballnews.com. Uh did a great job talking about it. Um, but like still for it to be this way, going, you know, we're ten days away from the new year and you're giving up 128 to the Wizards, who are not great. They didn't have Bradley Beal in the game. Um, you know, like, that's not a good sign. You give up 126 to the Lakers in a loss that you were just talking about. In a um, game where they did not have Anthony Davis for mo- for this whole second half, and even in go, the first yeah. half, he was injured for part of it. Correct. Yeah, no, that's not great. And then, you know, they just play the Hornets on Sunday, and they give up, you know, 115. And, that I mean, they've given up over 110 in – Seven straight games. So that's... You have the offensive talent to do it, but, like, that's not going to... That's not going to compute. Look at what Jokic just did in his last game. 40, 27, and 10. Oh, yeah. And he had... He had 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 20 rebounds in the first half. He had six points and nine rebounds in the first six minutes. (laughs) It was hysterical. I was was watching that game, so... It was Um, ridiculous. He's still still terrific. Like, Oh, yeah, I mean... that wrong. I I know in just a total tangent that people are like, there's no way he can win MVP this year because he's done two times in a row. And it's like a voter fatigue thing. But I'll tell you what, he keeps playing like this. He's going to make a damn good argument for it. Sure. Sure thing, man. Sure thing. Um, Also what happened since the last time we recorded uh, the Grizzlies, their winning streak, they had won uh, seven in a row came to an end at the hands of the Oklahoma city thunder, who again, don't have the prettiest of records, but they just stick around. And the funny thing is, too, about that Thunder game, they didn't have Shea. They did not have Shea in that game. Isaiah Joe went bonkers from deep. Um, ja got somebody, tossed in that game, too. Though. You know, every team can use an Isaiah Joe because he's yeah. not a high-usage guy. He is a catch-shoot savant. That dude's shooting 46% from deep, shooting almost four a game. Um, what a what a good, you know, find for, for OKC. I know... Uh, you know, 
I bet you the, the, that the Sixers could use someone like that. And oh, the Sixers absolutely. just let him go. But uh, well, well, how about you know, how about how about Ja getting tossed in that game because he went over to a fan and said these refs are screwing me, and, and the then he FaceTimes the fan, gave him the, gave him the second tee and tossed him. And then he FaceTimes the fan, too. How funny is that? He FaceTimed his dad, who showed the fan what was going on. How funny is that? But, like, uh, they're, I mean, they're in a, in a great spot, too. So, you know, again, we talk about these Western Conference teams, and they're still right there in the hunt. Even you, you just mentioned it that, you know, Portland loses at, at OKC on the game winner from Shea, who there was a cool stat on him, by the way, um, before we're getting to, to Portland real quick. Shea has made five go-ahead or tie shots in clutch time already this season. There have been like 30 games. That's impressive as hell. Like, that's that's Damian Lillard-like stuff. Dude, I mean, here, let me pull up the tweet. It was uh, Brian Kalbrowski, um, who had, who did a um, nice job of narrowing this down using the stat head um, thing, if I can spell Kalbrowski correctly. Um, Good luck. Who, who did the stat head thing on uh, basketball reference uh, to get this. But uh, Shea has hit five shots to tie or take the lead in the final second of the game. Uh, so not even crunch time. For the final second of the game. It's the most since 2012-13. He's needed only 28 games to do it. Uh, the next closest was um, Kyrie Irving in 12-13. He needed 59 games to do that. And DeMar DeRozan in 17-18, who needed 80 games to do it. So that cuts the time in half, in third. Um, Shea but it also tells you super, the, like, super clutch this year. And I think yes. it's hard to kind of quantify. God, you know, the NBA has a clutch reward now, so this is going to be great. <laughs> but but I, I think it's hard to quantify. You know, you look and you, you, know, you ask about, you know, MVP conversation or whatnot. And you ask about All-Star and whatnot. Um, I think that kind of... This person averages this many points. This averages, you know, this many, you know, rebounds, whatever like that. I think situational stuff should go into it. And it's hard to quantify that stuff in a box score. It's so hard to quantify how important a rebound is or grabbing a loose ball or making a big defensive stop. You can't put that in the box score. Um, two points is two points, uh, according to the machine that relays that information. But Shea is doing that. Shea is making clutch play after clutch play. Um, you know, his teammates can absolutely do a better job at supporting him um, and, and shooting the basketball. We've known this for years. Uh, but when they do have a decent shot going, like I said, Isaiah Joe has been crucial for them um, it, when they have won these games. Uh, I think Jalen Williams deserves a lot of credit, too, on that team. Uh, but Shea is just uh, is putting it on another level. I mean, my God, man, he got to the line 14 times and made all 14 last night. Um, he continues to just force the issue and gets it done. And that's a team, too, that plays some pretty de- decent defense. They're not the fastest team in the world. Um, but again, they're hovering right around it, like right where your Lakers are. Like, they're doing fine. So that's, you know, I think that's big time. And there's there's so little separation in the West. Let there me bring so this up. little separation. Uh, on a total side note, but still part of the conversation, so NBA All-Star voting began today. Oh, yeah, that's a great 
little okay. segue for sure. So let me ask you this. If you look at the Western Conference, and we all know oh, how boy, fans like to vote. They vote for their favorites. They vote here for the people that they're go. used to. But when you talk about somebody like Shea Gilders Alexander and the he's numbers got he's putting up, look how good. Like He's got to be. He, I'm he sorry. Be he's got to be. He should. I mean, tell me who should be starting ahead of him. I mean, I guess you he's can make got Dame. to start. Well, I mean, Ja and Dame would be the guys there. But if you don't go, if you just look guard, you don't look at. Does Dame qualify with the injuries right now? I, I, can, I, I truly no, I truly don't. Shea know. should like, be on the team. You can make an argument. He should, Shea be, should be a starter. However, and that should be without question. By the way, well, nah, well, you've got John Morant, you got Damian Lillard, you've got Devin Booker. Well, De- well yeah, Devin's got a problem. Devin's got you, a and you got and you got Luca as well because Luca's considered a shooting guard. Yeah, but I mean, Shea's right there. I don't think he'll probably start, but he'll be in the game. I think he deserves being a starter. I don't, I know the record and winning matters. So wait, do you think he deserves it more than Ja? Oh God, you're gonna put me in a corner. <laughs> oh man, does he deserve to start over Damian Lillard? Not Ja because they're the number one team right now. If they maintain where they're at, no. Damian Lillard, I will say yes because of amount of games played. Yeah, amount of games played, I think, beats out Lillard in that situation. Does Devin he deserve- Booker, that's yeah. a tough one. No, he Booker gets no, it. No, he can't because then you got to put Luka in there. Oh, my yep. gosh. That's what I'm saying. That That's the thing. I mean, and it's all right. He's got to be on the all-star team. He's got to be on the all-star team. We sit there and you like, just from our perspective and like following the league as closely as we do and going, man, Shea's just having this unbelievable season, man, this guy deserves to start. And then you look at go, eh, well, look at all these other go. guys. It, it goes to show how <laughs> deep the league is, how talented the NBA is right now overall. And we're not even talking about the Eastern conference. We're talking no. about the West. No, yeah, just the, the West. West individual talents, absolutely, hundred percent. That's crazy, hundred percent. But I mean, it's it's wonderful. I mean, hey, one more thing: when you talk about you know this parody, especially in the West, a week ago the Pelicans were the number one team in the West. They've lost four in a row and now are the four seed. That's so ra- again. There's there's a randomness about it, right? There's yes. absolutely a randomness about how this is going and. and Oh man, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. We just talk basketball and we try to say what's going to happen, what's not happening. But it's it's it makes it so difficult and unpredictable. And that, but that's what sports about, are about, man. Like, I'm sorry, like you, if you want something other than this, then why are you watching sports? Like, you want an outcome, you know? Do you want a spoiler? Like back in the day when there were, you know, a team like uh, Golden State with Kevin Durant, you want that? You want that again? Like, do you want it for for entertainment purposes, or do you want teams battling it out with still very, very good, talented teams with multiple all stars that are beating the living hell out of each other and trying to see who's best? Well, I would rather have the latter. I would rather have the latter every single time. I don't want to see seventy win teams. I don't. I mean, it's great to see them because it's history. I get it. But like, as I was saying before the season started, I don't think many teams are going to be over fifty wins this year. And when you look at how it's gone to this point up until uh, December 20th, when we're recording this on a uh, Tuesday afternoon, 
it looks like that's going to be the case. I don't want to see a team dominate year after year after year necessarily. I want but, difference. I want something. But I, I want someone to step up. I don't want someone to to repeat. I, I I want someone to take down. You know whoever's at the top of the well, totem pole. That's the whole point. So you need a dominating uh, team to be able to do that, and that's why I appreciate teams that do dominate because not just the historical you know reference point for all of it, but. You like to see greatness. I like to see greatness. I want to see, sometimes I, if a team is going to be great, you want to see how far this greatness goes. And you want to see what other teams, how they stack up against them and can they take them down. And it's not only just in one season, but it's over seasons. And that's where we start to get into something truly special is if you know a team can win year after year after year and stack up titles. It makes it so difficult. And it makes you, at least in my end, appreciate it when it does happen. But... At the same time, there are plenty of people that like to also see something different all the time. You know, this even goes into the argument about who wins MVP because there's voter fatigue and people want to see somebody different, you know, even if somebody else is putting up ridiculous numbers. But that's where we're at with the NBA right now is we've had that time where one team was dominating for a little while. We wondered, could Milwaukee be in that similar vein, because they have probably the best player in the league. And while they're still one of the top teams in the league, and we'll see, you know, if they are going to be able to repeat, but at the same time, you've got all these other teams. There's so much parity. There's so much talent in the league right now. And on a night to night basis, you get to see special players. You get to see competitive games. And then you get to see, can a team actually repeat? Can a team continue to be great when there is so much talent in the league right now, it's it, I think it's tougher than ever before to continue to show greatness for a team. Yeah, the longevity of, of a squad is important. And you look, I mean, that also goes into CBA and how, how contracts work, rookie scale, rookie extensions, um, you know, supermax availabilities. All of that makes it tif- difficult to keep it together. So it's even more impressive when it happens. And by the way, um, let me correct myself, Well. I say I got ahead of myself when I was talking there. The Bucks did not win the championship last year, as we all know. The Warriors did. It'd be their you know, second the in Celtics. Three years. So I mean, it'd, it'd be, be their second, second in three years. three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but you know, Milwaukee absolutely was on the top of the mountain last year until Chris Middleton went down. Then they lost to the Heat in that second round series. Um, Milwaukee, by the way, deserves a lot more <laughs> love. I, I don't get why the 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 big networks that talk about it, you know. You want a superstar that you can market and you can and look at and talk about. And Giannis comes in and dominates night in, night out. Plays as hard as anybody in the league. I think that dude's motor is just like Russ's. But in the body that Giannis has. And somehow, some way, there is just zilch about him. I, I, I don't get it. And I hate, you know, oh, they're not talking about this guy enough anymore. But he just continues to do what he does. Like, he's legit on that, like, Shaq-level dominance. And I think that you're getting close to saying that now. They're not the same player by any means. Uh, Maybe early Shaq when he was really good in transition and a locomotive and stuff like that. But I I do not understand how the Bucs don't get talked about. I do not understand it whatsoever. And I get to see him on Wednesday. I get to see him on Wednesday against the Cavs, which should be a damn good matchup. Because the the Bucks have bested them twice in Milwaukee, the Cavs are going to be upset minded, and they're fifteen and two, sixteen and two at home. So that 
is going to be a hell of a matchup on Wednesday night. Excited to attend that one. But, I mean, Giannis is coming off of 42-10. and 10. And, and, oh, you know, oh, he didn't have as many assists as he usually does. whoop de doo But, like, locomotive. This is a matchup, too, that everyone wanted to see. You know, Zion on the other end uh, playing the Pelicans, and they, they go out and get the job done. Drew Holiday, a tremendous job um, of, of playing defense that game. And, wow, my voice is cracking badly, so I apologize for that. <laughs> but, uh, like, that was a, you know, a, a battle of, of, of big guys there. And uh, I, I think, yeah, basically Giannis deserves to be talked about more, as do the the Bucks as a whole, in my well, opinion. Well, I mean, all the Bucks have done have won seven of the last ten and have the best record in the NBA. They've the done it for like the, the last NBA. four years. Like, you want you want to talk about sustained success? Like, since Bud has gotten there, okay, let, let's look at this. Since Bud has gotten there, they've gone 60 and 22. They lost the Eastern Conference Finals that year to the Raptors, who were the eventual champions. Then uh, the pandemic year, they go 56 and 17. Second round loss there. That sucks. Yeah. But then the next year, 46 and 26 in the regular season. Not as good of a regular season team, but they win the championship. And then last year, they lose in the second round to the Heat because Chris Middleton goes down. And Dante DiVincenzo isn't around, who was a big part of their team at that point. So, what the hell else do they need to do to get some respect? Win more championships. <laughs> it's a, it's, 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 it's a poisonous, right it's a poisonous poisonous mentality of of today's sports fan is but if that's... you don't win multiple championships you're not great because of the precedent that the warriors set it's dangerous and that just shows how dominant that the warriors were yes but that precedent is dangerous as hell because there are so many so many champions i saw someone say that mark cuban wasted dirk nowitzki and i thought to myself what the hell is this kid talking about can we get can we get 16-year-olds off of Twitter, please? Like, Dirk Nowitzki won a finals, okay? And if that's not good enough, I don't know what is. I do not know what is. It would have been nice if they brought the team back for the to defend the championship. Oh, yeah. No, that of course. And, you know, there's that season where they get a damn good – what did they have, 70? They had 70 wins and lost to the We Believe team in the first round or something like that. What was that year? It wasn't 70, I don't think, but they won a lot. 67 and 15. There yeah. you go. And they lost to the We, we Believe Warriors in the, in the first round, which was a great, it's a really good um, thing. But, like, people got to realize how difficult it is to win a championship and to sustain success. Oh. And, 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 but th- th- that's exactly my argument for the Bucks, though. Like, I do not get how, how they don't get their just due. This is why I don't badmouth anybody that wins a championship. No. Winning championships can't. is tough. I don't put it down, man. You hell. Look you, at the look. Look at the Celtics. They go through a coaching change. They, you know, um, they pretty much bring everybody back. Uh, unlike the Warriors, the Warriors lost some very key bench pieces. Uh, look at the difference between those two. Like Boston's right where they're supposed to be, even though they have the worst offense in December. They statistically have the worst offense in December. It's interesting, um, but they're twenty-two and nine. You look at the Warriors; they're fifteen and sixteen. They're without Steph Curry right now. He's got injury. They don't have the depth that they necessarily boasted in their run last year. And they're horrible on the road. It can go one of two ways. Mm -hmm. But I feel like Milwaukee is always at the top. 
Always. Every year. So I don't get it, man. I don't get it. <laughs> I think there's two different teams we want to talk about, and we yes. have questions about what they're going to do. Do you want to start with the one in the West or the one in the East? Um, go ahead. Uh, you, you, you choose, and, and we'll go off of that. Let's talk about the Chicago Bulls. Blah. Yeah, exactly. There are some problems of brewing in yeah. Chi-Town because you look at the Bulls. They have lost 7 of 10, including four in a row. They are currently 11 and 18, and they have the 11th seed in the Eastern Conference. Plus, they do not have Lonzo Ball. He has not played all year. He's still dealing with a knee injury. He is still not running yet. All signs are pointing to Lonzo Ball missing the entire season after going out uh, last January. And they did feel not terrible for Lonzo, by the it's way, because he was so like when he played for them in that first season or the only season he's played for them, he looked tremendous. Um, Him you know, and Caruso in the backcourt. Shot mean, form was great. His defense was stellar. This is just a case of he is snake bitten in his career and. He's probably going to be, you know, around this league for a while, but it's just I think it's always going to be a case of what if with him if 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 this is the trajectory that it continues to go on. Yeah, and I mean that so they did not do anything to find another really good point guard in the offseason. I mean, they did go out and get Dragic, but we all know that was going to be a backup role and now they have some real issues because of the record and where they were at. Remember this is a team that just gave Zach Levine a max deal for five years. So they have long-term money committed. They've got DeMar DeRozan, who has one year left after this season, and he is extension eligible after the year. They have uh, Nikola Vucevic, who is in the final year of his deal. And they are not a winning team. And They're not. The, well, the other problem that they have, too, is they made that deal to give Vooch several years ago with the Orlando Magic. And payments are coming because they owe their pick this year to the Magic if it falls outside of the top four. It is a top four protected uh, pick. And if you look at where the standings are right now around the league, there's only one, two, three, four, five, six teams with worst records. Basically, they, are the, they have the seventh rest, uh, worst record. Okay. Yeah. So that means the magic would likely get their pick. I believe as it stands right now, the bulls have a 30% chance of keeping their pick. So that means you have to restock the chamber. You have to restock the chamber with assets. Correct. That's what you have to do. Right. Well, here's because I mean, this pick, if they lose it, it's one of those things. that's just like out of sight, out of mind, you know, don't, don't dwell on it too long. This is the cost of business. You made this trade. It's a sunk cost at this point. Now, if they lost more games, and it's going to be difficult to get down to, say, a, have the fifth best chances of uh, getting the number one pick or even having the fourth worst record. But if they fell to where they had the fifth worst record, they would improve their chances of keeping their pick. They, I think they would have like a 43% chance of keeping it at that point. Believe it or not, if they had one of the four worst records in the league, they'd have a 50% chance of keeping their pick. But I don't think they are uh, fond of uh, Tankapalooza. 
but they do have some tradable assets there. And you wonder what they could do. There's been more and more stories about this. I know ESPN and Brian Windhorst, even had a story talking about like, nobody wants to sell right now in the NBA. This could be a kind of a quiet market. It just moves around the fringes because there is Which so Which means much it's going to be blowing up. That, well, that's how it goes because every time we expect it to be a crazy trade deadline, then you get like a Mason Plumley move. And then yeah, well, every time you could expect it to be quiet, that's when, holy hell, James Harden just got traded. Like, you know, like it's, it, I, I feel like that's how it goes. You mean like I last year when Porzingis got traded and, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> the reaction to that on our own yeah, website? So, I mean, well, reaction. this is the thing though, when you've got parody like this, there's not, there's going to be, and you've got the playing tournament, there's going to be more teams that are not going to be willing to sell. Now, we can sit here and say, oh, December 15th, almost the entire league is eligible to be traded. It's the beginning of trade season. You know what never happens on December 15th? A trade. Okay. <laughs> you know what trade, when trades are going to start being discussed even more? January 15th, when everybody becomes eligible, except for yeah. the few. Players that have you know, that can't be traded, like LeBron James, which but, is less than a month ahead of uh, right. the trade deadline. The trade deadline's February 9th. so yeah. deals are not going to start happening until mid to late January at the earliest. And we always know the bulk of trades happen, you know, within a week of the trade deadline, if not hours of when the deadline expires. So right. teams are going to be hanging around. So. You know, when it comes to these moves, nobody really wants to sell right now because. They, they're in it or they want to maximize value They because everybody wants to buy. There's not many sellers. But the one team that might be interested in selling now to maximize value could be the Bulls because they are out of it and because they want to keep that pick. So would they be willing to say, let's do it right now. Let's make a move. And if they do make a move, what do they do? You know, will they trade? DeRozan, what's the value? Will they trade Vooch, which seems kind of likely because he is an expiring deal? What could they get for Alex Caruso if they want to put him out there? There's a lot of talk about how they could get a, a solid first-round pick for him. Not, not unprotected, but a good solid first-round pick. And the big question is, would they actually be willing to go all the way and see what they could get for Zach Levine, considering the money that he is owed? So there's questions all around for the Bulls and what they might do. Be still my heart if they end up building this team around Kobe White. I would love it. <laughs> I would love it. Just as, It would be a full circle thing because everyone's like, oh, he's going to get traded every single year. Oh, he's going to get traded. And he just ends up being the guy. That would be awesome. What, still so young, too. So what if you were running the Bulls, Yeah. what do you think, what would be your approach right now? Um... Well, they're very middling. You just gave 150 up. They don't play with any heart. Warren Dragic said they don't. They don't play for one another. They're not accountable. Right. It's easy to say sacrifice without being the one that's not sacrificing. That was an interesting quote. Um, I don't know who that's about. Uh, probably more about the the locker room. To be honest, like the entirety of the locker room. I don't think he was singling anybody out, but it's about communication on the defensive end. If I had to guess, interesting. Um, it's hard when you don't have the personnel, though. Like, if I was running the Bulls, uh, yeah, I would probably see what Vucevic could net you. Um, 
I'm not getting rid of Zach Levine. I just signed him to a big, big ass contract. I, I agree there. I, I um, unless somebody wanted to really, really go all out, I would not do that. Uh, there might be some untapped potential with Patrick Williams. Could float him out there. Um, don't it doesn't this kind of? I mean, you don't want to get rid of those 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 young guys, but I mean, this is kind of reminiscent of Portland. Like what Portland did, like we're not getting rid of Damian Lillard. We're just going to build around them, and we're going to we're going to tweak the parts around. I think they would do the same with Levine, but I think everybody else on that team could be had for the right price. Sure. So, if you're the Bulls, not only would you be willing to move, you know, some of those other pieces, but would you do it right now? Like, would it because they? I mean. The, they want to tank at this point, possibly. I mean, if they make a move now, it's because they want to tank and they want to try to help improve the odds of them keeping that first-round pick as much as possible. And the way to do that now is to not only try to get value for those guys, but make a move now that might make you worse this season to protect that pick, but also get you those assets to begin you know, towards next season and, and trying to put a competitive team out there. Sure. You want to talk about the other other buzzy team that's right above them in the standings about trade stuff? Uh, well, Toronto, we brought them up last week. I'm saying it's going south fast. Um, There's you know, names that are being floated. I mean, even Fred Van Vliet. Did you see Zach Lowe's? Um, I don't know if it was a report if it was on his podcast, but apparently uh, what they would ask of OG Ananobi if a team would ask about OG Ananobi because every team would want an OG Ananobi. Right. It's, is it's that a his lot. price would be Donovan Mitchell-like. That's incredible. Which is real. That's real tough. Well, I think there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, OG's a really good player. And oh, young. yeah. But the other every thing is, too, is that there's not many sellers. And that, so that, guess what? Oh, we've got a guy that everybody's interested in. So here's the price. You know, it's. I don't think they're quite on punting the season level, but if they were no. to get to that point, I don't think that they would get rid of one of their brightest young guys like that. I, I well, really don't. I think it just depends on what the value is. Like, the, okay, so they, they, they don't trade Siakam, and they're obviously not trading Scotty Barnes. So Gary Trent Jr. obviously is a guy who's they could move. He's yep. in his final year. You yep, could see talked, that. Yep. We talked, we about, talked that. about that. I remember that. Van Vliet mm-hmm. is going to be extension eligible. Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're going to move one other guy, not saying you necessarily want to do it, but if the value is out there where a team is willing to pay a premium for OG, maybe you do it. Is is Van Vliet your your Mavericks uh, white whale? Well, um, you know he seems kind of uh, equivalent to a player that was there last year that they were pretty successful with. Is that so, is that who you were thinking originally for Van Vliet? Yeah, I mean he would have to be one of them. It'd I mean, be so it'd be so I weird mean, not to see. Remember the Knicks were one of the teams interested in him, and they went out and got Jalen Brunson. Yeah. So I mean, there's going to be a market for Van Vliet. You know, if he becomes available, I don't know what the price would be. Like, that's is crazy. It, is it, how many first rounders would it take? Would it take one? Uh, would it take two? I would just think that this entire team would be together. But yeah, no, that's no, that makes sense. I I don't I don't know too many happenings with the Raptors as far as how they 
you know, run their stuff, but they haven't been afraid to make a big move in the past. So. Well, the thing is, too, with the Raptors, is we sit there and we go, we can see the talent on that team. I can't put a finger on what the problem is, what's missing. They, uh, some energy from Preston Achua. Otto Porter's barely played this year. <laughs> yeah. He's played eight games. Uh, now it's supposed to be one of their bigger signings. Um, they have a ton of wings, but I guess they don't have the greatest of rim protection, and their offense is kind of slow. And when their offense is slow, it's not really conducive to... I don't know. I think... It's also got to do, too, with Scotty isn't having the, the, the best of seasons. He is. He has not grown on last season. He's not. So yeah. that that is one of the things. But, I mean, it's one of those things where can he turn around the second half? Yeah. You know, can he turn around next year? Yeah. It, may, it just might be a second-year slump. So that's something they've got to figure out, obviously. But there, there's something missing with the normal Raptors formula. They are they're a team that's willing to make big moves. They're willing to do bold things. We've seen that with uh, with the uh, with the the group there, but um, we'll see what they want to do. But I mean, it's if they're willing to sell a couple parts, I mean, they've got some interesting pieces that oh, yeah. um, teams would be interested in. Going back to the Bulls, the, I mean, we'll get into the team in the West, and because if the Bulls are willing to make a move right now, I mean, the Lakers have been linked to them for a while, and it's one of those things where we've seen from behind the scenes reports that the Bulls have said. We're not doing a deal for Russell Westbrook. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. We're kicking and screaming, kicking and screaming. Is that posturing or is that real? Because if that's posturing and to make sure that they get a maximum value, I mean, I'm not saying I would do it if I was the Lakers, but <laughs> it sure sounds like LA would be willing to give up both of the first round picks if they get DeRozan and Booch in that deal. Now, mind you, if I was LA, um, there's a couple of things I would do if I was going to do that deal. Number one, I would try not to give up both number ones, which is ridiculous. Uh, number two, I would try to get Caruso in that package as well if I'm giving up both number ones, which good luck. And maybe there's still some people in the Lakers uh, front office that are still not sold on Alex Caruso since they let him walk for nothing. And three, because Vooch is on an expiring deal, I might try to flip him immediately. I mean, uh, if I... If I had Vooch, I might, I don't know if I'd want to keep him. Maybe I want to flip him to another team and try to get another big and, and another role player. But I mean, if, if the Bulls are sitting there going, we're going to sell. And they're like, we, we've got to try to improve our draft position right now. I mean, there's a lifeline out on the West Coast. It's just whether or not they want to do it right now or not. Curious timing, by the way. Wow. Right when Anthony uh, Davis goes down, I mean that—that's why I say it's a lifeline right now. Because otherwise, I don't—I don't think LA would do anything until, you know, later. You know, like everybody else, like everybody can sit there and go, "Oh, the Lakers have been trying to make a deal since the offseason." It's still probably not going to happen until the weeks leading up to the trade deadline. Okay, yeah. they, they're still going to have to ride this out. The problem now is, as much urgency as we felt in the offseason, because they, we, there's no way they're going into the season with Russ, which obviously was wrong. Now they're without Anthony Davis. We don't know how long he's going to be out for. It sounds like a month. It could be longer. It's weird coming out of LA. There's nothing official other than he's consulting other 
doctors to get other opinions, which makes it sound like uh, he could need surgery and maybe it would cost him the year. But then you've got LeBron talking something about like, hey, man, we, we just got to ride this out until our man comes back, you know, and he's making it sound like he's coming back. Um, So, you know, and everybody knows how desperate LA is going to be to make a trade, but especially now with Anthony Davis out, you know? <laughs> so I don't know how you stay afloat for that long of a period of time. And I know we don't know when the period of time is, but not with that roster. This is why if they were going to do something that really needed to be done before the season. And I hate to say this. I mean, he, AD was having a phenomenal season. And I hope he comes back soon. It's not just as a fan of that team, but just watching him play. But, you know, you can never count on when somebody's going to be injured. But unfortunately, he's had a track record. And they decided not to go all in this offseason. Hey, right before training camp, they had a deal. It looked like it was done with the Pacers. It was done. Mm-hmm. but they insisted they wanted a second-round pick from Indiana. They let that deal fall through the cracks because of a second-round pick. Now, there was plenty of people that said, oh, you know, are Miles Turner and Buddy Heald really worth two unprotected number ones? You can make that argument. But hindsight being 2020, because at the time, you didn't know how they are going to play this year, but you see how they played. I think, yeah, it would have been worth it at the time. Now, mind you, would AD be as dominant because he's not playing center then? There's all these other things that go into it, but... You know, and secretly, or maybe not so secretly, I kind of wonder if this is like when it comes to the Lakers front office, they've been very hesitant to trade those picks. It sounds like they've made um, promises to LeBron. Hey, we'll move those picks. But they've been very, very hesitant to do it. And while they don't want anybody being injured, it's almost kind of like, oh, shucks. Anthony Davis got hurt, and now everybody wants our guys. And if he's out for an extended period of time, we can't compete, so might as well hold on to those picks. Why should we trade them? There's other people that believe, no, now they really need to trade them both. And I think you're starting to see little signs from LeBron when it comes to the urgency of what the front office is going to do, and he still wants to make sure they do something. Even after the uh, the loss the other night, not the one to the Suns, well, nobody played on Monday night, but um, uh, the the win against the Wizards on Sunday, he was asked about, you know, the possibility of a trade. And he was like, you and more or less saying, ask the front office. It's not a question for me. I get ready. I get my guys ready. Let's see what they do. And you could start to see little things bubbling right there from LeBron. Oh, geez. Oh, you 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 know what this is like being in Cleveland, though. You've ridden this roller coaster before. Oh, he he's very pointed with his words. Yeah. 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 <laughs> See, I don't even know if that's a good deal for LA from a standpoint of Vooch is not exactly a defensive-minded center. He's in his final year. And with DeRozan, you're giving up cap space next year for a guy who's an underrated playmaker, but... It's not exactly, you know, a deep shooter, and they need somebody that can shoot from three-point range consistently. Yeah. Otherwise, you got float game, Austin Reeves. And and by the way, DeRozan's not exactly killing it defensively. No. 
So if I was Chicago, I'd make the call and let's see how desperate you're going to be. But take yeah, advantage of Chicago. Yeah. Take it, take advantage. Like, how, how, how appealing are 2027 and 29 first rounder though? Did you, they, do you know? They should be very appealing. I think, well, LA is always going to believe that they are players for anybody in free agency. Mm-hmm. So, but we've seen how the tide has changed about that in recent years where maybe they can get guys in free agency, but look at where they've drafted over the last 10 years. They've had some pretty high draft picks. They're not yeah. a consistent playoff team now. So mm-hmm. it's, I, I wouldn't be afraid of that. I think the problem for the bulls is they need more urgency of getting picks back sooner than 27 and 29. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's the only thing that, that, that yeah. I'm thinking about as well. Right. Like if they want to continue to build around Levine, they need assets that are going to translate now. So, but I mean, there's plenty of teams. I think that'd be interested in Caruso. I, I would be curious about the market for DeRozan, what they could get for him and who would be interested. Still on the Chicago thing, uh, Shams and Darnell Mayberry just dropped a piece on them actually. Oh, so just reading through it, basically, um, here, I'll just read this paragraph. Uh, the Bulls have held multiple team meetings, try to work out their issues, and this has included one-on-one face-to-face sit-downs between DeRozan and Levine. Multiple sources with direct knowledge who were granted anonymity because they are unauthorized to speak publicly on the matter have told The Athletic. Wow, that's a handful to Oof. read. <laughs> but basically, uh, sources saying that, um, sources of Shams and Darnell Mayberry, I should say, um, team meetings, um, face-to-faces, one-on-ones. And um, going further into the article, multiple leak sources and sources close to the organization say Levine and the Bulls are not seeing eye-to-eye. Over the past few weeks, there have been palpable feeling across various parts of the franchise of a disconnect over Levine's situation in Chicago. Uh, so there's that, and uh, there's also, I guess, some questions around Billy Donovan, but too bad because Donovan just signed a multi-year extension before the season started. That so, doesn't mean much, but it could. But I mean, hey, Zach Levine just signed a five-year, two hundred fifty fifteen million dollar max deal. Sure. That, I mean, and for a guy that's had knee trouble, who's it's not like it's going to cost him an entire season, but he's missed games over years because of you know a tricky knee. Yeah. So the, it's it's the pick that they owe to. Orlando. Orlando, that's really, really hurting them right now. Well, like I mentioned this before we started recording. Remember, they're the they don't have their second round pick this year. It goes to the Lakers, I believe. But when they do have a second round pick, it goes to the league. That's the punishment for their tampering for Alonzo Ball in the uh, in the off season when the they signed can him. Pick me, pick pick me, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> what what happens to those those un uh, unused picks. Can can you just pick people? That'd be great. <laughs> I want to hear with the thirty fourth pick in the two thousand twenty three <laughs> NBA, NBA draft. The, the National Basketball Association selects Spencer Davies, Akron. <laughs> it would make my it would make my day. It would make my day. I go up there and give give Mark Tatum a, a nice. Uh, yeah, do, you get, give, do you get a league jersey? Give Mark Tatum a nice little uh, handshake and a hug. What number do you the, want on the, the back of the jersey that oh, he hands you? <laughs> 22, baby. 22 all 22. day. Double deuce. 
Double deuce. <laughs> but seriously, what do they do with unused picks? It's just, all right, it's the next they're just, one. They're just gone. Like, it skips the gone. order. So they could be, like, instead of 30 picks in the in that round, there could be 29. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's just poof. Just gone. They should really do that. They should do that. That's, that that'd be, be a good, like, marketing idea. Yeah. I'll pitch do you, it. Uh, as we close up here, do you believe in my little conspiracy theory that the Lakers front office is it? too upset about the AD injury if they have to keep the picks like this is the <laughs> this is their excuse to keep them oh gosh i don't know too much about your mom and pop shop over there in hollywood so uh, why why no, couldn't I mean, ishbia have bought the lakers that's all i'm going to say why couldn't he have bought the i know i know <laughs> hey we didn't even talk about we didn't even talk about the, the the red hot new york teams man i mean we we touched on brooklyn last week cuz i i was singing the praises of utah watanabe um, but I mean, the other team in New York, they won seven in a row. They're the hottest team in the league right now. And they're doing some good stuff. And it's all because the head of the snake, Jalen Brunson, uh, has brought them together and they're playing the younger guys. You're seeing minutes for Miles McBride. You're seeing minutes for guys like Jericho Sims every once in a while. You know, like it's been fun to, to see them kind of come together again. And, you know, there's just this, this energy about them that they're playing with and, RJ Barrett's starting to come around like I said he would. You know, like there uh Quentin Grimes plays really well next to to Brunson um as somebody who can really shoot the hell out of the ball. Um and and plays terrific defense. Uh there's just a lot of good coming out of of that team at the moment and yeah, their schedule's been pretty decently soft other than the the winning streak started with with uh dominant one over or Cleveland and then they they started kind of running rough shot over the league they won by 24 against Atlanta next game they beat Charlotte by 19 uh they beat the Kings by 13 uh they beat the Bulls by 8 and 23 respectively and then they go out and beat a uh, really uh tough-minded um fast Indiana team uh by 3 on on Sunday so um, what's going right with the Knicks in your eyes? I mean, I just mentioned, you know, Jalen Brunson playing at, at a all-star level, uh, but you have, you know, a lot of guys who are, who are contributing in the right way. And, um, Tibbs has found a rotation that he's liked and, uh, he stuck with it. I think that's the whole thing is that they've made a commitment to certain players. They found a rotation and they're sticking with it. And when guys know who exactly is going to be playing on a night to night basis, and how much they're going to be playing and what the roles are, it can make the world difference. And I think they figured that out. You know, and that's why they turned it around the way they have. They're, they're focusing on some of the younger guys. Um, you know, Derrick Rose is not playing. He's even said, hey, if we're winning, why should I be playing? I mean, he's, he's you know, taking it on the, you know, the right way as a professional. You know, they're not playing Evan Fournier, which is chapping his lips a little bit. But, you know, it is what it is. They're not playing Cam Reddish. But they settled on the other guys, and it's worked for them. I mean, they won seven in a row. You can't argue with the results. No. No, you can't. And if you want to know what the rotation is currently right now, listeners of the Keeping It 94 universe, uh, it is Jalen Brunson, Quentin Grimes, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and Mitchell Robinson are their starting five. And then off the bench, you've got Isaiah Hardenstein, Emmanuel Quickly, Miles McBride, as I mentioned before, um, and Jericho Sims playing spot minutes there at the five. So, um, and by the way, if you haven't watched Jericho Sims play, watch him because holy hell, that guy can jump. <laughs> he is a uh, a ball of energy, and uh, just continuing that that dominant reign of of Texas 
um, big men that, that come out and make an impact in the NBA. It really is remarkable how many big men out of Texas uh, end up being solid, solid players in the NBA. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, Julius Randle having a good season. Uh, we've been talking about that, how, you know, he's not the the primary guy to make plays anymore. He can get on the block, play his, his style of bully ball and get to the line. I mean, over the last five games, he's averaging uh, 11 free throws a game, for goodness sake. Like, that's the kind of ball that Julius flourishes at when he's under control and he can make plays when he gets doubled. Um, he can look for cutters. That's the kind of ball that that Julius really thrives at. And I think you have Brunson, who has not been afraid to take the big shot, um, is, is really facilitating well, and is on a marvelous stretch right now um, during this 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 winning streak. So um, it's been good to see that too, because a lot of people were like, "Oh, do you really want to play uh, pay Jalen Brunson that amount of money?" And while it's very very early in the contract, and it's very very early in his tenure here, I think you see that kind of attitude and that winning attitude he brought from Villanova over here and it, you know, what carried over from the postseason last season. Yeah, absolutely. And I, Julius Randle going back to a more natural position than playing so much point forward and the ball handling he had last year, Yep, I think has helped him out a lot. It has, it has. And then Brooklyn, I mean, I talk about uh, <laughs> Milwaukee doesn't get much attention. How about on the player side? Why don't we talk about Kevin Durant? Why don't we talk about this guy as an MVP candidate? Huh? He is, is an MVP is, candidate because he's he, putting up ridiculous. Is he numbers. just old hat now? Is Kevin Durant old hat at this point? We're, it's because we're, of what happened you know, with Kevin Durant. Like, it, it's all because of all of the off the court stuff that have happened with that franchise over the last six months. Yeah, but he's not involved with it. That's well, that's he did ask for a trade in the offseason. Oh, big whoop. Everybody mm. asks for trades. Yeah, but it's yeah, but he's Kevin Durant. It makes it it's a little bit more impactful when it's one of the best players in the league. My man, he is and I mentioned it last week, just a and we've known this, but like he's turned it up to another level with this mid-range. Like he's shooting legitimately 62% from 10 to 16 feet where the majority of his shots come from outside uh, uh, his two point shots come from uh 59.4% 3 to 10 feet um 51% from 16 to three pointer range um but that mid-ranger is just kicking everyone's ass and it it continuously has but this is a by far mark Brian of how good his 10 to 16 footer's been this year like the best he's done since Okay, his first year in Brooklyn, that's, you know, whatever. But but since then, uh, like, OKC years for this mid-ranger. Oh, yeah. yeah. Making it work. He's shooting over 56% from the field overall. Yeah. 56%. Over, yeah. You don't hear about that from guys that have a perimeter game. That's for guys that play 10 feet in within the hoop, you know, all the time. And he's 34. He, he's 34. Like, he's, he's not young. I think he kind of knows what he's good at. Oh, you stick to your strengths, and and you're golden, my guy. He's you're absolutely it. golden. Um, he's, he's playing at a ridiculous level. And hey, we said it last week, and I'll say it again: cut through the noise and just play hoop. And okay. let's see how good the Nets can be. And something we're I finally find starting to see. It. Something I do find interesting about this team, though, is that they have not been playing Seth Curry. They've not been playing Seth Curry. They've stuck with Watanabe because he's playing good defense 
and he's he's knocking down timely shots. Um, you know, Edmund Sumner's getting minutes, but the rotation has been crunched. Just like we're talking about in New York, that rotation has been crunched down. And I, I wonder how often you see this in NBA um, when teams are winning in the regular season versus in, in the playoffs. You obviously know that the rotation's shortened a little bit, but um, I find it interesting. I find it very interesting. And Well, I think that- What happens with Seth Curry, too, because, ah, you know, you got T.J. Warren coming back into the mix. Edmund Sumner, they've liked what he's brought to the table. They're, Cam Thomas has has had his moments. What do you do with Seth? Is, is Seth someone that you want to keep around? Is it somebody who is a trade target for somebody else? Um, not trying to, to split these guys out, but Seth's playing uh, a, 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 the least amount of minutes he's played since uh, he was in Sacramento, if you remember, or since he was in uh, Portland. I think and I think Seth and Joe Harris are both available. Yeah. I mean, Seth is in the final year of his deal. Joe has one year left. And the they they're scoring enough points. What they need is more defense. Oh. And both of those guys are shooters. So there's going to be a market for both of them. It's just whether or not the Nets can get the players in return that they would want. Uh, but I, I think both those guys could be had, you know, and, and the Nets would be looking at more defensive-minded players to replace them. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Including another I, I like, big. I like I like what Jock's doing, though. Um, but, hey, I think we, we talked our ears off on this one. This was a good one. We had a lot of stuff. I'm surprised that uh, we didn't get into, um, you know, more – newsy stuff but you know it's okay well, the, the biggest newsy thing that's out there from this past week is that anthony davis you know got an injury that's gonna sideline him for more than a month as the lakers were starting to play better more consistently and now we don't know what's gonna happen this is your poof <laughs> poof it's just like the usual suspects and just like that he's gone <laughs> All right. Well, I, I will tease this. So, one, uh, next week, I am going to want to check in with the Cavs. We, we didn't talk about the Cavs too much here, but they are going to be wrapping up a, a homestand. Um, they play Wednesday. They play the Bucks, as I mentioned already. That should be a hell of a game. Um, Friday, they face the Reeling Raptors, but Toronto has won two games against them this season. And then they wrap up against the Brooklyn Nets the day after Christmas. So um, we'll probably be recording that the 27th or the 28th, um, pending on, on when we find time. But I do want to talk about the Cavs because they are a, a an absolute buzzsaw at home. But, you know, the road's a little different story. And uh, it's interesting because Donovan Mitchell's been playing ridiculous. But um, we'll get into more details and stuff like that um, next week. I'm sure we'll still be talking about the same bunched up sandings. You know, just just ra- lather, rinse, repeat, as the uh, the old shampoo and conditioner say in the uh, in the shower. So, until next week, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at Spin Davies. He is at Brian Fritz. I am on Instagram at Spin Davies. He is on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Plug, plug, plug. Please, please, please read my feature. I just did one on Andrew Nemhard, a bright young rookie for the Indiana Pacers. 
I talked to him, I talked to TJ McConnell, and I talked to Rick Carlisle. He talked about, you know, Rick a few weeks ago said that he's going to end up going down as a top 15, top 12, top 10 pick in his draft class, and they got him at the 31st overall. So uh, I asked Rick to clarify what he meant by that and for Andrew to react to those comments, and I thought that they were um, really solid insight, and and TJ McConnell, uh, what a wonderful perspective he gave me to uh, being the uh, quote-unquote elder statement of the Pacers locker room, even though he's only 30. <laughs> uh, but it was a good story. I enjoyed putting that together. Uh, please read you know, every other feature that I've, I've done this, this season. I've been working hard on them. Um, also, keep it locked to basketballnews.com and uh, our wonderful content, film breakdowns from Nikias Duncan um, and stories from Alex Kennedy and The Works. You can also uh, subscribe, rate, review this podcast anywhere you listen to them. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Just hit those buttons for us. Cook the books. Let us know what you think about the pod. Me and Brian would certainly appreciate it. And please, please, please interact with us. We want to grow our audience just as uh, we enter uh, almost year three of this podcast. Holy hell. Uh, Which is nuts. But uh, other than that, everybody have a happy, safe holiday weekend. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the basketball. Enjoy the eats. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.